Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us this lovely evening. Uh, tuning into episode five of the Last Train podcast. Uh, here we like to put an emphasis on genuine conversation. Just a couple of guys trying to share our thoughts and opinions about uh, some of the things we see in the world. Uh, issues that we think matter. Uh, we never quite know uh, where uh, we're going to end up, but... Uh, we're willing to follow that train all the way to the end and uh, hopefully learn some things about ourselves. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, if you joined us last week uh, for episode four, uh, we talked about this concept of identity. And uh, we started to build that um, by uh, focusing on uh, Heidegger's uh, concept of uh, predicating uh, identity on existence. And uh, we, from that, we uh, were able to erect an understanding of uh, a social understanding of identity as it relates to this idea of uh, the familiar and the unfamiliar. Um, the degrees in which that uh, we build our identities um, based on uh, how we're able to uh, gauge the level in which we belong uh, to a social context. Um, and then uh, from there, somehow we ended up talking about our blackness and uh, reflecting on that and how uh, we, we come to terms with those kinds of issues. Um, definitely look that up. Uh, we hope you enjoy what you're about to listen to. So this week on episode five, we're going to focus on this idea of white fragility. Um, to do that, we're focusing on a paper um, by Robin D'Angelo. Um, it was a, a, a term that she coined. And uh, there was an essay that was written in 2011, and it was later turned into a bestseller. Um, so we're going to go through those ideas and uh, see where we end up. I am not in the studio alone. As usual, I'm joined by two remarkable individuals, Yanu and DT. Say hi, boys. Hey, guys. What's up? <laughs> How's your weeks, man? Doing good. It's been pretty good. I love it. Uh, my week has been, been awesome too. So this week we're going to try to make our way through this idea of white fragility. Everyone here is, we're familiar with the paper. Um, it's in, it's a famous paper and it's infamous at the same time. And, uh, for, for varying, uh, for varying reasons. Um, as usual, I want to start off this conversation, um, by a quote, um, by, uh, Andrea Davis, who's an associate professor in humanities in the humanities department at York university. And, uh, once that she said that the sheer belief in the fundamentals of a democratic and multicultural society makes people somewhat unable to accept the fact that racism isn't something that still happened, isn't just the act of a few morally flawed individuals, um, that it's, it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere, it's, it's in the background. Uh, I think that perhaps it's more important for people to accept that racism isn't just manifested through hate, but through things like apathy, silence, ignorance, and a refusal to challenge oneself to understand the reality of the racial other. Um, after I heard that idea, that's, uh, that uh, sets the tone for our conversation today on uh, white fragility. Um, before we start, what do you guys think about that? Like, Racism isn't just a manifestation of hate, 
but through other, other sort of unintentional, subtle uh, behavior. Apathy, silence, right? What do you think? Just sort of first go at that. Like Andrea Davis, what are you talking about? I mean, you want me to go? Yeah, go. go. On first take, I, I, I mean, I, I hear that and I feel like I need more. It sounds like, uh, I don't know, it sounds, it sounds like a lot of things I hear nowadays where we were just, just, you know, something broad and uh, interesting, polarized, rising, you know, to get people to jump on board. So I would, when I hear just that, I think to myself, oh, I want to, you know, hear more. Yeah. Yeah. Um- DT, what do you think? Uh, a little bit, a bit on lines with uh, what Yano is saying. Um, I, I think there needs to be a little bit more. It needs to be a little bit more specific. Yeah, I mean, for me, like when I first hear that, it's I focus on this idea of like you can be racist unintentionally, right? Which you know sort of plays into certain sort of like prejudices that people may have. So maybe when they enter a sort of like what I'll call like a racial situation, like a racially tense situation where like, you know, somebody's like racial integrity is on the line. Um, someone is coming at you and accusing you of being racist. Right. Um, but anyway, I don't want to get ahead of myself because this is exactly what D'Angelo talks about in her paper. And um, we're going to begin as usual by definition. So first of all, D'Angelo, uh, Robin D'Angelo, uh, she defines white fragility, um, as the state in which even a minimal amount of racial stress becomes intolerable, triggering a range of defensive moves. Uh, the, the, the sort of the defensive and, and like, this is why this is important because we want to characterize, um, this defensive behavior. Like you're a white person, you're in a sort of like a racially stressed, in, intense situation, right? Now you're being accused of being racist. Like the defensive moves that she's talking about, um, it can be things like anger. It can be things like fear. And what's interesting is she says that it can also be things like guilt and like vulnerability, you know? What do you guys think about that? I don't know. That's, uh, I'm not sure if that makes... Uh well, here's what I will say. She coined a term yeah. and defined it, mm-hmm. so you can't argue that. <laughs> no, she did, but but if you if you break it down, she basically went through a wide range of human emotions you can you can experience when someone says anything and says yeah. all well all these things that you experience, which the connotation might be not well, um, well, well, let's say well well received. Is this and well, I don't like, know, how do you argue with with that? Well, like yeah. in the beginning yeah. of the paper, she talks about it. She like anecdotally, she talks about how she's in a setting and that you know certain workplaces have like these like I guess race uh, racial awareness things <laughs> where like uh, a bunch of people sit together. You know, uh, I guess like the company has like a retreat or something, and they yeah, invite and all the employees, they pay and, her to, come and they pay her to, to talk. talk to them about. And she discusses a scenario where she was she was having one of these classes and she explains um, sort of the underlying ways in which racism can exist. And then an angry white man <laughs> emerges. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He stands up and he 
uh, he talks about how like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, white people are been are, are being discriminated against too. Like for the past like twenty five years, we can't even find jobs as well. Mm-hmm. So she looks at that weirdly and says that, okay, first of all, this man is seemingly. Um, he he doesn't have an accurate grasp of reality here. Like I'm looking. What do you at mean by he doesn't have an accurate grasp of reality? She's looking at a company that is completely. The entire staff is white. There's no. There's no. <laughs> but isn't he talking in more generic terms? The He's, data is in support of him. I'll just say that. The data suggests that white people are more employed than black people in America. No, like if you talk about well. I guess I am a little bit biased here in, in the way I look at the data, specifically to, I guess, maybe high STEM field, high mm-hmm. STEM uh, field jobs. It's not that. Um, or in, in, in STEM placements in, in America. Like, I, like, but it's not can, like, you know, white people are not the, no, no, no. the top like, of the pecking order. I get that. Like, it, like, we can have a conversation about facts and stats here and can be like, okay, maybe he was coming from a right place, right? But, like, what she's trying to highlight there is that he felt like by her highlighting the fact that, okay, black people struggle with unemployment in this country, the reaction that she got from him, like he was put in a sort of, he, he was almost like he was made to feel guilty. He was pushed against the wall. He was made to feel, he, he was, he felt like, why do I have to feel guilty about being a white person and I have all these jobs? So mm-hmm. he shot back with some information, whether it might've been accurate, yeah. you know, but, you know, sitting in a room where everybody's white and then trying to complain about how, like, you know, <laughs> white people struggle to gain uh, employment is strange. But, again, all she's trying to highlight there is that certain people, when they're pushed, when they're backed against the wall and they feel a kind of racial tension, the reaction they get, you know, sometimes it can be, uh, and this is what she highlights as, yeah. white fragility. I like the way you put that. Certain <laughs> yeah. people... Mm-hmm. When they're backed into a wall, wall. Yeah. yeah, and they are, uh, and this is put in their face, react. Yeah, sounds sounds like everyone with 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 anything. Yeah, and that's why uh, there are things she brings up that are valid, mm. but I dissociate with like her. Yeah, because I feel like she uses. It's like. I just personally would rather li- listen to on like you know trigger words uh get people angry like just baiting for reaction things uh than than not not saying that's what happened with this guy because yes like maybe that isn't the time you know just mm-hmm. Listen, maybe maybe that that isn't the time to freak out, Mm -hmm. or maybe she did say some something that even I was say, whoa, like I don't, we we don't know what she said or what the two sides are. I mean, based on what she said, she said I was talking about how black people are what underrepresented, and a white man yelled at me, yo, what what the fuck, white people too. Okay, bet. Like, yeah. like I can't argue with with, with that. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So we're gonna make our way through her ideas here, so mm-hmm. we can kind of build like this conceptual understanding of her ideas, so we can attack it mm-hmm. accurately. There's this idea of insulation, right? And this is what I find interesting about D'Angelo's understanding of. Uh, whiteness mm-hmm. if i can even use that it feels weird even saying that but yeah. um because she 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 understands it as it relates to 
understanding whiteness as a societal power structure, you know, which is weird because now when she talks about society and then she makes broad claims like society, you know, especially in this part of the world in North America is set up so as to insulate white people um, from racial stress. Right. So everything that and, and this insulation that she talks about is, is it can take the shape of like um, media representation, okay. religious images, yeah. um, you know, all, all these kind of things. Um, like essentially <laughs> I'm flustered here, but essentially what she's trying to say is that society is set up in so which as to continually um, in like <laughs> what is going on here D'Angelo um, it's set up in such a way so as to because of the way society is set up and that because it's uh, a white dominant society it's right. set up in such a way that the images that they see and the places um, the, the media that they consume it uh, strengthens their whiteness in a way it re-edifies them to, to provide them a sort of comfort Right. So as in to other, keep this what do you mean racial by? equilibrium. I think the, the the idea is that because of again, I I guess I understand these things in terms of representation. Because of the way things in this society, again, the West, more specifically America, mm-hmm. have been re- represented. You know, uh, my wife can talk about you know how she grew up and it was, everything was white the white barbies the this the toys and the whatnot yes like as a white person you aren't you are, you are in a situation where you don't have to think about race yeah when you're watching a cartoon and the white cartoon girl looks like you yeah but every other race is misrepresented including black people and native people a black and native person watching that is having questions like huh like absolutely they don't have to fight that battle why is that not whatever and the white per person isn't Mm. and again that point is valid yeah yeah (laughs) which is uh we're making our way through this yeah yeah which is then is it, it it, uh, is that that point in itself is valid and just is truth. And I don't think you'll find a lot of people or yeah. who consume yeah. American media, especially who consumed it at that time. You won't yeah. find a lot of people that argue with that fact. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. if we talk about, like, we were all here when Black Panther came out. Yeah. It was a thing. I wonder why. And, and like, for years and years, black people and, you know, indigenous people. And even um, when we sort of talk about... Um, like a couple years ago, it was the crazy rich Asians that came out and everybody's talking about, oh man, this is the first sort of North American film that's come out with like an all American cast and a director and I, I mean, all Chinese all, cast, all Asian cast, Asian cast and <laughs> Asian director. I'm completely lost my way here, but I'll find my way back. Um, this, uh, like when I watch Black Panther yeah, and this is weird why this topic is so strange for me because I'm a black person essentially mm-hmm. trying to dissect white psyche. Right. Yeah. But D'Angelo Robin, she's a white person, so That's maybe she her can. Whole point is you know, that she can do it better. She can do it better. Than us. <laughs> um, when I watched Black Panther, I was filled with pride because I felt like for the first time I was represented in a way of strength. Yeah. Right. It, it in a way it made me feel comfortable, yeah. quote unquote, mm-hmm. with being black. Mm-hmm. And she's essentially trying to say that the way the texture of society is set up, everything makes white people feel comfortable. 
from the commercials, from the way things are marketed, from even like the subtle, the, the way people even have conversations about yeah. them. You know, everything uh, makes them feel great. And when th- th- things happen or they're put in scenarios where people start to chip away at that, mm-hmm. that's what she highlights is white fragility. So we're all okay with that point, right? Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Like, I mean, I, I take it as ex- exposure and awareness. Yeah, and if you live in a world where you're not exposed and aware of things, you know what you she says something a, about that too. a certain way. Yeah, and then when you are, mm. you know, you're rare. So that uh, the way, I mean, I could show you some, uh, I could say something to you the first time that will make you feel defensive. Mm. It could be about uh, race or gender or whatever. And then by the sixth, seventh time we talk or, or about it, you have a more nuanced uh, idea mm. of, um, of it. So, yeah, like I, I agree with that point. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're just trying to build the foundation right, yeah. so that we can stomp on it later. Yeah. So we're all fine with that point. So moving mm-hmm. on. I mean, to your point there, you talk about how like, a defensive move is to appeal to a kind of segregation. And mm-hmm. she talks about how segregation is one of the pillars of white fragility. Mm-hmm. You can appeal to the fact that, oh, I'm not that exposed. There's not a lot of black people in my neighborhood. You yeah. know what I mean? So it sucks to be me that I live in a society that edifies who I am in, in such a visceral way. Mm-hmm. Right? So, But she says that that's one of the things that inculcates white fragility. The fact that uh, many white people, the way that... the way, the manner in which they build their lives and their social circles doesn't even include that many white people, which is weird because there, there are people that talk about, I have a lot of black friends, right? But mm-hmm. do you though? And there's a weird thing that she talked about on an interview that she did for CNN yeah, about how like, you want to know how like woke a white person is? Look at their wedding pictures. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look at their wedding pictures. Like it, that because that's how you can gain an accurate sort of glimpse into somebody's uh, micro like. But know. I don't know if that says if mm-hmm. that tells you how woke a per it, person like, is, no. as, as especially even just that term woke. Yeah, like, like it sounds yeah, like. Doesn't, like I was going to say like when you say like work, we yeah. use the term woke. What are we trying to? Yeah. What are we Look trying to describe here? Wedding pictures. To see how woke they are. What? what okay, fine. What does that, we'll what does that mean? Woke. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you no, can no, talk no. about woke as it appeals to. The level of awareness, social awareness somebody has as they navigate certain social structures. You can talk about, like, I am aware of my privilege as a white man, um, so me incorporating all these other aspects, be it my understanding, uh, my sensitivity of racial issues and all that stuff. It's just a a perceived elevated understanding of society. I think someone's wedding pictures is a reflection of their circle. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is... I don't think you can conclude that it is a re- reflection of their social awareness at all. I don't think so. Too. Because... No, 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 no. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. But it's okay. just like when you talk about when people appeal to segregation... When right? people uh, appeal to appeal segregation? Appeal to segregation how, as, how do people appeal to segregation? People can appeal to segregation, segregation as a means as an excuse. of, you know, maybe like not fully coming to terms with their privilege or mm-hmm. their whiteness by saying, I'm not that exposed. We as black people even make that excuse for white people, right? Mm-hmm. We say like, man, he came from Beverly Hills or something. That's, you know, he lived in a hashtag, I mean, a hashtag, quote unquote, good neighborhood. 
right? I mean, yeah. we we don't say good name. <laughs> name maybe name that's of, an outdated we, we term. Say, yeah, we say oh, yeah. he maybe he grew up in a Latin neighborhood or a Jewish name neighborhood or blah 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 or like you know a a black kid that is adopted or grew up with an uncle and an auntie or mixed kid mm. that grew up in a you know yeah a neighborhood of a other culture. So yeah. you know if they grow up in a uh, if they grow up in a uh, like in a again a let's say a Latin neighborhood yeah. you look at their wedding pay, pay, pictures it'll probably be a, a bunch of Latin people Latin people because that's their circle yeah right now that doesn't that to me doesn't tell me all about their you know social stance or wokeness mm-hmm. or awareness mm-hmm. uh, all she's saying is that yeah. this can perpetuate white fragility right yeah it definitely can it, it can yeah it can uh it can help and you know it definitely leads leads to a space mm-hmm. where you are fra fra fragile about your uh and de- defensive about your race perhaps or yeah. the, the race of people around you mm. now dt i want to get your take on this when we talk about when uh d'angelo uh referenced this as an effort to build what she calls racial stamina right all of this is that uh, she's trying to create an atmosphere where um the degrees in which white people uh find themselves unable to deal with racially stressful situations highlights the fact that they're seemingly inequipped um to navigate you know certain racial themes in a, in an effective way. So, building racial stamina is the the ultimate goal here. Uh, what do you mean by building racial stamina? Building That's- racial stamina, as in, so you don't. I, I, she focuses a lot here on the reaction, action and reaction. Mm-hmm. Like you're put in a certain situation. Like I I, I rely on this uh, emphasis on this example of your backs against the wall, which makes it awkwardly um, uh, territorial in a way. But um, when you find yourself in such a situation, uh, the uh, the means in which you're equipped to handle it in an effective way, so you don't uh, react with anger or guilt or you don't feel uncomfortable you can just be you know what i mean and express who you are and mm-hmm. with with the seeming kind of wokeness and elevated understanding and social uh, sort of awareness of um uh sensitivity and uh what if uh, what's being said is like outright outrightly wrong uh give me a situation I, I don't know, like, um, let's say, you know, the data is being, like, skewed, not all the points are being heard. Obviously, I, I don't, I'm not that's one fine. to call for... Like, let me... I'm not one to... Yeah, sorry. I'm not one to, like, call for, like, an overly emotional reaction, mm-hmm. but I myself know I can't control, I don't control, um, you know, I can't control how everyone reacts to to what is put out out there. I would rather have, you know, a calm, mediated discussion, Yeah. Um, but... Uh, or a calm, mediated response to, or leveled response to, to um, to individuals trying to walk their way through through multiple, like um, mm-hmm. through or through hard issues or stressful stressful topics such as you know race, yeah. which is um, to me has been uh, overly politicized mm-hmm. recently. But 
You think race has been overly politicized? <laughs> I mean, recently, yeah. right? Like, I don't know I, if it's, I, I, it's, I think it's just there's like attention on it now. Yeah, there's there's an over. I don't know if there's over attention on it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think there is. I call I call people like well, I, I, it's not my term, but it's like race vultures. Like, I don't know. In in my in my head, I I feel again. There's there's so much more. I, I feel like we we made progress, and I don't know. Maybe I am. I'm just not. Uh, I'm not in the circle to understand what the real issues are and and what the real problems. I mean, it felt like everything was going in a good direction, and then a black man was publicly lynched for a petty crime, um, in which they didn't even really have any proof of. So, <laughs> yeah, let's let's go back to what you're what you're trying to say. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, there. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not uh, shying away from that, but. Uh, racial stamina. What do you think, Yana? What, what's your what's your take on on that? Like, what, what does that I'll, mean? I'll I'll help you out here, mm-hmm. right? I'll just build onto it, add on to that question, right? Okay, we talk about racial stamina is your ability to navigate racial situations in a way that's both effective and sensitive at the same time. Yes, right? I, I I agree that people, uh, I, I I agree that it would be nice for people to have that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I think it's it's a it's a conversation that people everything is just so awkward because it's like it's I feel like there are things I can pick up from it, but if I say that, am I excusing white people? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I feel like oh, I know certain adults in my life that could learn from uh, what's how did you define it? Um, okay. racial stamina yeah. uh, the degrees in which you're able to so navigate na- navigate the yeah. I, I feel like there are black adults in, in my life uh, especially you know with me marrying a white girl or having uh, friends or brown and Asian I feel like they could you know get educated on how to properly navigate conversations about race Yeah. Uh, but I feel also like because of how this is all structured I feel like it sounds like me copping a plea for white people. You know, it's you, very you, interesting you know the way I mean? D'Angelo sort of sets this up because yeah. she almost leaves herself impossible to attack. In a exactly, way. is that if you attack her, then you're but then I'm you're not capable e- even of, attacking her. I'm like yeah. uh, again to the point of uh, did you say race stamina? Racial stamina, yeah. Racial sta- stamina in terms of con- conversation. I agree with the uh, points just across the board. Yeah. You know, I, I just think people need to be able to have good conversations. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, I, I don't give two shits if it's about race or, or anything. A good one is man and woman talking about the pay gap between genders <laughs> and the stats yeah. and yeah. the fields. And the reasons and the stuff. Yeah. That's so, a situation a where one side can uh, feel <laughs> can can feel back into a corner and uh and yes, again, you can put a label on, on it as either, you know, uh masculine fragility or okay. feminine fragility, depending on, you know, yeah. the side you feel is losing. Mm-hmm. Uh I like like okay cool like to to me all I want to get is a space of uh, again I love the way you de- define that word and I keep forgetting how you 
they, they, they find it, but how you navigate through that conversation, right. whatever that conversation mm. is. So yes, do that's efficient are we, and we trying to encourage white people to uh, be able to navigate those uh, in a way those conversations better? My answer is mm. yes. If you are. Uh, Master is yes if you're in uh, a pose a position uh, that requires it, which you know for someone li- 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 living in America, they are for for sure, uh, right? Just because of how much of a mm-hmm. cultural uh, uh, party, yeah. The status. It's strange because, like, I find myself going back to a point that DT mentioned there, and um, it's that uh, it's we we say these and we have these uh, sort of debates because we're eventually we're trying to reach a goal, and the end goal is having good conversations, right? So I yeah. think at the forefront of her ideas is that she's trying to empower white people in a way to challenge yourselves I to I think confront something a, in you that forces you to see the world in a certain way, so that you can actually have better discussions with white people that's not coming from a place of like guilt or uncomfortability or anger it's just coming from a place where like we can actually start to have a conversation about the facts i think that's what she's trying to do mm-hmm. i don't know if i would have finished if she that sentence with facts but <laughs> <laughs> uh but but i think that that is what she is trying to to do yes yeah i Hopefully. mean we, we can we can this conversation can take a different texture if we address it if we address it anecdotally. So we can talk about the little scenarios that we have as black men with white people mm-hmm. that, you know, we've been in situations where there's a white person that's trying a little too hard to, oh, I understand you, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I get what you're going through. It's total, it's crap what's happening to you. You know what I mean? It's almost like this exhaustive um, they aren't navigating the conversation well. Well period. enough, right? Yeah. It, you can sense that it's coming from a place of a, almost like a lack of understanding and yeah. sometimes yeah. even sensitivity. It's not mm-hmm. every situation where somebody's actually going to call you the N-word, yeah. right? But it, it hits you in a different way. So then as you're driving home and you just worked, you're the only black guy in your company as you're driving home, you're just like, ah, man, I just can't wait to get home to see more black people. Yeah. You, you know uh, what I mean? Uh, 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 yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and that is a... Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something that is real, and you know, ev- people want to be understood. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you aren't, you just and you have to be around these people. Mm-hmm. You hope and wish and do your best to, you know, uh, or I guess hope that they get educated and well equipped to be able to have a back and forth. Now, that doesn't mean getting equipped to have a conversation doesn't mean now you agree with everything I say. Yeah. We can still disagree. It's called a debate. But, you know what I mean? Uh, But you are right. Just a certain sloppiness of, you know, hey, like cold talk. Yeah. Or... uh, Just, just, yeah, there there just are sloppy things that you know, I guess her, uh, what's, uh, what she based all of this 
what she based all of this off of was trying to clean that up. Yeah. And she even says, like, I feel like, you know, I can bring the white perspective to white people, kind of give them like a, hey, I know and you know, you know, wink, wink, like, we get it. Now, let's talk about it. A type of uh, perspective. Yeah. So. Now, I know it sounds like I'm pro D'Angelo, right? But there are some issues here within her her idea of white fragility that I actually, uh, I find I'm skeptical. Mm-hmm. To say the least, mm-hmm. and this—that's this idea of um, subjectivity. Uh, essentially, talking about how uh, the way that white people view the world is essentially from a way of—it's—it's it's from a perception uh, without race. It's almost like they can comment on things like uh, the human condition um, because they essentially they—they're uh, they're not understood from any kind of uh, racial uh, context. In a way, it's like if a black guy, it, she uses the example here on, a, on the CNN uh, article, um, if Spike Lee makes a movie, he's instantly a black director talking about black issues. If a white guy makes a movie, he's just a guy making a movie. She's saying that there's a level of objectivity afforded to white people because they understand the world from a raceless perspective that other people of color don't enjoy. I'm not sure if white people understand themselves as raceless. Again, it's awkward because we're not white. I want to get you guys' take on that. I'm wondering what is being argued here, babe, because, again, it's it's never just like, oh, I disagree. I agree, and we've had those conversations about, like, why are things grouped a certain way when they could just be, you know, this. Take music, for example. Why does it have to be, you know, in the urban category for and a word or hip hop and rap when it's not a hip hop rap album, it's actually a pop album and should yeah. be up there with the Katy Perry's and Taylor Swift's, mm-hmm. or maybe just not nominated at at all, but still in that category because yeah. there are other things that could be in that space that it took. So if so, that point being uh, uh, that that point being expressed, like I think, is one that many people have have echoed and are fighting for. Yeah. It brings me, it reminds so me of... what's the, the... Like, what's being argued there? The, the argument is that, essentially saying that um, a mode of white privilege mm-hmm. is having a perception of the world that comes without any racial... It's like the mirror. It's like, imagine that you're driving. Mm-hmm. and But for black people, the mirror is tinted brown. And for Asian people, the mirror is tinted yellow. And, you know, First Nations people, the mirror is tinted red. Mm-hmm. Um, but for white people, there's no tint on that mirror. They just see life the way it's supposed to be seen, right? From this kind of unbiased, unracial perception. Yeah. And she says that because of that, um, it, it, it it's one of the pillars of, of white fragility in a way. What do you guys think? Do you, do you th- I mean, I don't know, because <laughs> I'm not white. Man. Where do you re- wrestle with that? At what point I, I wrestle with like? it because I feel like uh, I'm not sure if there's any such thing as a raceless. <coughs> sorry, if there's a, a as a, a raceless perception of, and I think that's, I think raceless might just be worded wrong, but I take it as what we talked about earlier. Just, again, when everything around you looks like you, you just don't think about it. You aren't actively thinking raceless. It's just a lack of 
yeah. that thought. So that that's again that idea that we talked about of um, uh, the insulation that mm-hmm. she's talking about. Essentially, yeah. because the the world that you see around you is a mirror of uh, yes. who you are and how you feel. And the idea uh, of raceless, you know, might seem active. Yeah. Whereas just on awareness is more passive. Mm-hmm. That's weird. So based. I'm not actively yeah doing this and seeing this and blah 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 because of this. It's just that's weird that you make that connection because I feel like I understand it better now. Yeah, I, I didn't before because I was like raceless. That doesn't make any sense. But yeah. she's saying that because of the way society cushions you is, in a way, you just don't have to, to, to think about it because absolutely. it's like, that racial everything equilibrium, is good, right? Yeah, and it's not until people say. Oh, actually, this and this and this, that you're like, all right, cool. This, I mean, similar with many other is- issues where there is, you know, gay people, trans people, first nations, uh, a woman. Uh, you could be like, oh man, like things seem like they're going great for you, you guys. I say that as a man. Yeah. And then a woman can come and you know break shit down and be like, actually. It seems that way, but in reality, here is what the companies are doing to make it look blah, 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 and break it all down for me and educate me on, on some stuff. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> Bet. Like, I guess. But it doesn't mean, like, I was actively trying to see the world more male. Mm-hmm. It's just like... That's... You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. But she's saying that, like, appeal, it's not an excuse, though. It's a, it's a, it's a nice excuse, right? It is but an excuse. Yeah. She's saying, what, that is not valid? Yeah. I guess so. She's saying that, well, like, guess what? That makes you a fragile human being and that you're some way disassociated or unable to, to grasp with the reality of the way that things actually are. And you, uh, yeah. And and I mean, I don't, with that, just the way it's lay, laid out just doesn't make sense to me. Mm. I'm not aware of something, so I am fragile. It's yeah. different from, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to deal with this shit. Like, like if I'm, like, if, well, she People says that that can are, lead to not being able to navigate things properly. It can lead to not being able to navigate a conversation pro, probably 100%. Per yeah. yeah. It's like a guy saying, I was raised in a house of boys, mm-hmm. so I don't know how to treat women. And then using that as an excuse for his insensitivity. It's, it's a pretty excuse. It's nice. Yeah. But like, is it though? <laughs> yes. I mean, it is an excuse. The mm-hmm. same, same way you can be like, oh, this dude touched this little kid because he was touched like it is factually an excuse yeah but you are right like it doesn't it doesn't for forgive the act or it doesn't you you know uh in this case maybe forgive the ignorance mm. which is again why that idea of uh of properly navigating the conversation comes up but i also think if you like i think that i think it's, a, it's also important not not to weaponize it the other way i think there is a way to get someone to see things and there is a way to get them to to hide away in a corner yeah to hide away in a corner and just car cover it up and, and just act as if yeah and just blend in Okay, so imagine this. Let me give you a scenario. We, we flip this, the, the script, right? So we have uh, the reason that black people are comfortable um, in certain racial um, conversational spheres is because that's the only reality they know. Like if, when you're 
when you are uh, born into a situation of um, perceived inferiority, mm -hmm. uh, you kind of gain that uh, Napoleon complex. Mm -hmm. You know, you you have an edge in battle yeah. in a way. Um, so she's essentially saying that, okay, yeah, yes, black people can um, handle, have the racial stamina to get into these conversations because that's all they know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So coming from the other side, um, do, do you understand that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, again, it's uh, the, the point itself is valid. Yeah. The method of delivery and the broad strokes uh, that are painted where it's like, oh, because of this, if you grew up in this situation or did this or you say I'm not racist or you're X, Y, Z, uh, if you do those things, you are yeah. racist. Mm. Yeah. But then if you do the opposite, which is just flat out racist shit, you are yeah. racist. It's almost like you can't. But like Punch, that's the point. That you, like, like you, it places you in, in a space where it, it seems like, okay, well, how do we get out of this then? Yeah. And then it sounds like her whole thing. Then it's like, well, step one is just, you know, you'll, you'll say, you know, my name is blank. Yeah. And I am racist. And then from that point on... You know what I mean? Bob and we, <laughs> that, and, I, and I think I feel like that's that what she is, wants. Yes, that is what she what she wants, and I and, and that that's the that's an interesting insight. That's the part that is like again, man. Like we were talking about in, in pre pro production, like sometimes someone is popping off on an argument, and then they lose you in the middle, and then they get to the end, and they're like, <laughs> and that is why. We deserve to be alive, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. I understand. But like, how did yeah, we get here? <laughs> yeah. There was something you said there <laughs> that I think was pretty like fucked up against like <laughs> women. But like, yeah, we deserve to be alive. Like, how did we get get here? And yeah. I, I, and that is what I take a lot of stuff she's saying up because uh, all the points you 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 have here are valid things to talk about, and I think it does contribute to. I mean, again, like. My wife experiences it. She's white. She experiences it with her white friends. Mm. Where if she's with people that don't know how to navigate that conversation, don't don't know, you know, maybe now there is more of an awareness. Like, okay, you know, handle the conversation this way with black people. Yeah. Like, you know, there's no like it doesn't matter where you are now. Yeah, you know, in certain cir circles, you just know not to use the black as not to use the n word around mm -hmm. black p p. She people. has an issue with, and then there is then the further place where it's like, well, uh, my wife can't get me hanging out with other white people, and I'm not there. And then that conversation is a little bit more more loose. And her, someone who's like, you know, educated on things, has life 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 experience, is married to a Nigerian man. She's looking at me like, you know, she's looking at the person like, are you? I don't feel like you're, <laughs> again, to bring everything back to racial stamp. You know, I don't feel like you're properly navigating this conversation well, <laughs> right, well right, right now because, yeah. mm -hmm. perhaps because she's just not as exposed. Absolutely. And when well, segregation, black people are universalism, you, all of that. Just stuff. shut up and don't say anything, but then once they leave, like, you you know. Yeah. 
she, she, she things up this way. She's essentially attacking a sort of defensive attitude that is. I don't think she. I, I, to your point, she uses a lot of broad strokes because mm-hmm. she can't. Because she's not a member. She's not black. Mm-hmm. She she doesn't really know what uh, racial comfortability feels like. To well, her defense, she says that, you know, that's kind of a hard and ongoing, th- it's, it's a living thing. It's something you work on through your whole life. The but thing like, is she paints broad strokes for, her, for people that look like her, though. Yeah. To be fair. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like she's saying, and black people feel this way about Yeah. But like, she who's is, she necessarily trying to appease, right? Because... Yes, true. We can, like... I get pissed off when I meet a white person that says, I don't see color. Do you, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And she says that that is a form of a, it's a kind of like a hashtag woke, uh, liberal, pro everything, mm-hmm. understanding that it kind of blurs the, what's actually important here. The fact is color exists. You're a white man. I'm a black man. So what's up? Don't look mm-hmm. at me and start to say like, you, you know what I mean? And I feel like we, we, we know it. And it's, it's understated. We know what that looks like mm-hmm. when you're in the presence of a white person and you don't detect any sort of fragility there. It's like the one white guy in a group of black people and the way he behaves, the way he navigates that situation, he's doing it the right way. You know, and then there's other people, the things that they say, the uncomfortability, the Where's guilt the, that they come space from. for sensitivity? What do you mean? In terms of... Because I don't think you're ta- talking about just having a regular conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't think you mean like, oh, we're talking about sports and then of course a white person <laughs> con- 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 comes in and then it wants to. I yeah. think you're talking about like race. If a white person is present and racial issues are being brought up, how do they react? Now, how do you gauge a... But you know how to be like sensitive a, in a situation, but a, still get your points across. Right, right, but what if you you don't feel the need to get a point across? It could because be it could be the situation like, begs for it. It like could be a I subtle am, thing, right? Yeah, it's like okay, if why should a white person feel guilty for making a joke about? Okay, there's this, there's the office. Okay, you know, there's the office UK, mm-hmm. right? And you know, David Brent, he's kind of the 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 opposite the the mirror image of uh, Michael Scott, you know, Dunder Mifflin Paper Company and all that stuff. In the series, there's an episode where there's the one black guy in the office and yeah. David Brent, a hallmark of his character is that he represents the extremely white, fragile person. That one white person that doesn't get it. Yeah. You know, in yeah. every, he says the wrong thing mm-hmm. all the time. That's mm-hmm. what makes him funny, right? So he's telling a joke to, uh, it's a random day in the office, he's telling a joke to a group of white people and it's a joke about, uh, the punchline is, it's a black man's cock. Uh-huh. Right, it's a funny yeah. joke. Yeah. The black man comes in, uh-huh. and then goes, "Oh, what are you guys talking about?" And then he shuts up, <laughs> right? And then he goes, uh, "No, no, it's just a joke." Oh, is it the black man's cock joke? He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "No, tell it. It's funny. You know, it's, it's fine." <laughs> what? What? His? He's like, you know, that resistant. That should I be? You know? Yeah. He doesn't get it. He's a racially fragile person. Somebody who understands it, you know, doesn't. Is, yeah, I'm going to tell the black guy's cock joke because it's just a joke on a black guy. Yeah. Do you I understand mean, what I'm trying to say? Yes, I understand. It's an understated it. kind of comfortability Ray. about who you are that forces you to navigate certain situations correctly that in a sensitive way, that's also clear and efficient. Right? Yeah, that sounds more like it. Mm-hmm. Terminate, oh, XYZ, so is racially fragile. Mm-hmm. Only makes sense because of the way <laughs> she defined it conveniently. 
Uh, yeah, I, I'm so confused right now. <laughs> like, my my definition of fragility is where you have a stressor to a system, and like, uh, like those stressors, um, like you know, you you have a con concave. Um, like, I don't know, where the output is is not desired, right? So I guess it's, you know, her definition of what the out- undesired output is. And I guess where I, I don't know, where I am so confused right now is, like, the, the what she's defining as an undesired output. It's like, I'm like, I disagree with you on, okay. on that. Okay, enlighten like, me. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's just, I... <sighs> Like, I don't know, I, I, I'm tired of, like, in a world where, like, I can't make a, sorry. Yeah, yeah nothing, I just have issues with, like, in a world, you know, sort of broad, kind of, like, you know, you know. No, <laughs> go ahead, though, in a world where, yeah. like, oh, it's, it's, if, if you have a, like, you know, a certain joke, um, and, oh, it, to me, fragility is, is, me having to censor myself in a certain way because uh the point is the man shouldn't want to cens- the man shouldn't censor himself he should just say the joke yeah he, he feels compelled to because he doesn't know exactly how to handle that situation because although there is a because there is a world where you are racist for making a joke where the black guy's a punchline yeah, but why does that world... And, and you aren't being racially sensitive. And she talks all about that, too, yeah. right? Yeah. About, like... Because her, her her response isn't, like, yo, pop off. Yeah. Like, if you have questions, like, like yeah. why are you, like, avoiding... Like, you could be talking a white... White A is talking to white, white B, trying to, you know... Like, how should I act around this? You know, like, I came from a small town in Fort Mac. Like, when you have a lot of black people, like, you know, like, like, what's, uh, I, we, we, like, actually, just, uh, what, what's the name? I hung up with someone a while ago, and their, you know, boyfriend was like, oh, yeah, I grew up in, in, uh, in this place, and when I moved to Surrey, I was just popping off the N word, and my friends had to be like, yo, yo, like, what are you good and then they explained it i was like oh shit really yeah okay cool now picture that situation where where white a is talking to white b about that and then a black person come comes in now the point like what the idea should be here Mm -hmm. is you're saying like don't stop the conversation yeah yeah. just go ahead and ask Mm -hmm. is that what you're saying but, yeah, but but then oh, okay. she but then yeah. she but, but then she also <laughs> argues that it's not black people's jobs jobs to educate you. Well, what what should the black guy say in that situation? Yeah, keep talking, right? It, I'm not going to tell you. Like, it's either you feel no, comfortable saying it or you don't. I, idea sh- is that that shouldn't that, that 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 there shouldn't even be that like like resistance of, in the beginning of like yeah. stops. Oh, keep talking, keeps talking. Yeah, her. her what you're saying is that the conversation should just happen and then someone else comes and then... But I I hear that and I think of, like, oh, sensitivity. Yeah. Like, I would like to be sensitive. Yeah. I don't know how this person carries this issue. Yeah. I want to be sensitive to that per, per person to not make, make it weird or awkward to them, especially if, like, 
yo, Toby is the only black guy guy here. Yeah, I've seen him every single day. I don't, as a black person, I don't. I don't want that. You're saying, okay, you're appealing that there might be certain people that are sensitive. Right? No, no, I'm talking uh, about how siding with one side, mm. saying one is wrong. Yeah. And saying the other side is wrong leaves you with nah, nothing. Not you saying that, that her saying, saying, saying that her are arguing both sides. Her arguing that, oh, they don't see color. But there are white supremacists whose whole points are that we are white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, if they are completely... Like, they're not normal, and then there's the colors. Is your issue here that you guys feel that there's no place for um, the racially tense uh, white person to go? Like, we've, um, there's, no, there's nothing he can do anymore. He can't um, be sensitive, in a way, because that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. He can't be outwardly racist. So, where do you go? Is that the main issue here? Uh, I mean, I I don't... But she highlights a way to go. There is a destination. What is the destination? The destination is that we need to, for white people to reach a place Mm -hmm. where they can be put in these situations, but they don't react in a a, a way that sort of undermines the whole process in the the first place. Like, you can can be like, okay, um, white people should be sensitive, but like, that's exhausting for black people too. Like I said... Overtly sensitive white person. Off rip. Mm-hmm. All the points you're making are correct, and I agree with them. However, I don't like that. Isn't a full representation, unfortunately, of what this article and then book is about. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a very, very uh, what was named balanced interpretation, and what you just said, I agree with. I agree that, uh. It would be nice to get to a place where I don't have to explain why XYZ is weird. Absolutely. Or it would yeah. be nice. Yeah. How, however, there are situations where that isn't the case yeah. and tough shit. But we will try to keep on, you know, getting people on, on, uh, on board. Now, there are a few more ideas here. But um, I'll leave it over to you guys mm-hmm. because I've tried my best to represent her ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but uh, tell me what, uh, what, what parts of um, her understanding or this concept of white fragility. Um, because I feel like what she's... I, I will agree. I will say this. I um, want to talk about the issues outside of the book and article. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can have that conversation more so than, like, having to bounce it off uh, of this book that mm-hmm. could be the perfect book or the perfectly flawed book. Yeah. Like, I feel <laughs> like we can have the conversation without the, uh, uh, where, without that part. Now, if we talk personally about, you know, uh, uh, race fragility. I think that is a thing that, like I said, comes from lack, lack of ex- exposure, lack of, of experience, and other things. And yes, those those things are uh, can can be seen as excuses, but just as facts and as life. And living in a society where 
we encourage P people to learn more, to be more more educated, to be more aware, to be more sensitive about different things is a good approach that will lead to a positive place. Absolutely. And we are speaking specifically about white people here, but I think that is the case with many things. I think yeah. that's the case with a lot of my guy friends talking all about uh, 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 female issues. I think that's the case with a lot of uh, people talking all about Asian about Asian issues in somewhere like you know uh, Surrey or Vancouver. I think that that's the idea of people who are immigrants talking about Native American issues. Uh, just you know, uh, certain type of people talking about the more polar issues like you know. Uh, the gay and trans stuff that's harder for some people to uh, to understand. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I like that's my stance on that yeah. for like fragility for the sake of you know that's I mean hell that's the pod- podcast name so yeah. so we might as well uh, <laughs> I might as well keep using the uh, term yeah uh, yeah uh, is I think it. It, it can lead, lead to those those things and trying to break that down and become more equipped to have conversations is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, before I sort of make some final uh, comments here on uh, D'Angelo's theory, uh, DT, uh, what is your outright sort of um, uh, resistance uh, to uh, some of her ideas here? Uh, I, I actually... I don't know. I, I would say maybe I need to read her book a bit more. I, I, I'd say that maybe get or understand her point where she's coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, most of it's been said on the podcast already where it's, yes, we're going to a journey, but the method we used to get to to that journey is, or to you arrive at that just, yeah, yeah, arrive at that destination is, is, um, like there, there are like bumps in that. There are bumps in there that, like, there are certain things that don't sound like super clear to me. And yeah. I don't lie. Yeah, maybe I need to. I need to read a little bit more of her work before I, <laughs> before I criticize. But um, it's um, it's like like with any idea. Um, I think if we can get on board with the broader um, intention, um, that can make uh, and and like we can attack things inside. Right, we can pick things apart. We don't like this. We don't like that. That's awkward. That's weird. But if the goal is ultimately to create an atmosphere where um, uh, white people can gain a kind of racial stamina in order to uh, relate with us better, and mm-hmm. and and that's that's an infinitely valuable thing, right? right. Because that it can influence education, right? There's a point she makes here about how. Um, Racial superiority is something that's instilled in people from the point from uh, at the age of three or four. She says a three or four year old already feels that it's better to be white. (laughs) There's an ideological understanding of like, no, no, we're all the same. Kumbaya. But in reality, uh, if a three year old can be like, oh, wow, thank God I'm white. (laughs) Um, Just trying to get to a to a to a better place where we can actually have better conversation right well yes in the case of a in the case of that person we do need to get them to a place of more 
mm-hmm. uh, of you know better racial awareness and stamina. Yeah. But I don't think you know that that is like I think to to say oh white people at the age of three feel like their race is so <laughs> it's kind of a broad like strokes very yeah I, I don't know if, okay. if I don't know if a kid at three right. understands race that well yet yeah but, even but, five or, or yeah, no, no, seven I'm, I'm not sure about that one like yeah to, no 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 yeah. you guys are missing the point mm-hmm. here like again this idea of insulation right okay. the world you see around you seems to reflect who you are at some point in time you're gonna feel like that's the way that things are supposed to be and then sort of in it's internalized superiority not an outward like i'm better than you it's just and it's because it's a little kid Maybe that's why she uses a little kid as that example, because a kid isn't racist per se. But is this and if the world reflects them and re reedifies who they are. Right. So that maybe could that's be, where it leads, right? So this is regardless of their immediate circle and community and school? Yeah. Yeah. I mean there's there's other ways, like uh she talks about religious iconography. Um Dominant discourse, textbooks, social media, uh, our understanding of beauty, and you, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, you look around and everything is white. At a certain point in time, you're going to start to feel that maybe white is the way. Yes, if that's the, the case, yes. I just don't know if that is if that is true about today in 2020. Like, I think beauty is seen in a lot. Yeah, I think. Uh, there are a lot of people my age that grew up in situations where, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, didn't see color, but like, they they didn't seem seem so period. They might have felt so period socioeconomically, and that even refers to the rich black kid who is going to, going to school with a white kid that lives in a trailer park. Mm-hmm. It feel feels like you're like mm. like I'm the shit. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> if only these white people would stop doing fucking drugs, like you know, yeah. they could live in a house. Like you know what I mean? So 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 just the idea of like, oh, this is we live in like because of the way the world is set up, every white person this and this. It's like well, there are people that it's not until they move to a big city or move to this or get that that they start to see things a certain way like oh shit i guess y'all like like wait y'all feel like i'm fucked up like <laughs> where i come from like i'm the shit like like, like where i come from like things are you know what i mean yeah Dif- they're, they're different now again the issue of representation and when everything you see around you is a certain way it's true i just don't think to assume like everyone internalizes it that way and by them doing that they're hereby you know uh, perpetrating. Pep, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, I, I need more. I need more, D'Angelo. You need more, D'Angelo. <laughs> I feel you. Do I better, D'Angelo. <laughs> um, that doesn't change the fact that it's a, it's definitely an interesting paper, and and it um, it positions uh, it, or it sets the stage um, for uh, perhaps a better conversation, and that's what we're about here at the last train. So moving on. Um, there's an issue. Um, have you, have you guys heard of project? Uh, you guys familiar with project, uh, 1619? I know we kind of discussed it in pre-production, but, um, initial thoughts. I mean, uh, project 1619, it's, uh, it's a history project essentially by the New York times magazine, um, trying to put an emphasis on changing the narrative concentration 
of American history. So now we don't have to understand it from a position of like, oh, the Constitution and all this great stuff and the land of the free and all of that. But now we can actually start to erect our understanding of American um, history and society as it relates to oppression and racism. Um, I know that DT has some uh, some varying... Uh, um, I've ever heard of the 1619 Project before. Yeah. Um, some of the, I, I guess, like personalities I, I've uh, sort of listened to um, have interesting thoughts on, on the 1619 Project. Uh, like mine is just simple and uh, I, I, I don't know, I don't think it's uh, as factual as it, it paints itself out to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not one for, I am one for uh, having the freedom to explore uh, multiple uh, angles and territories of, of a topic. Uh, but uh, to rewrite history is, is yeah. uh, one that I... And that's weird. That's weird because uh, I don't think they're trying to rewrite. Nobody's, ain't nobody rewriting history. <laughs> it's just like we've, I mean, you've heard the term Eurocentric understanding of history before. Like if you look at all your textbooks and they, they just actually, seem to put a focus on actually. Euro. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not, and I never took like, like I guess a like history course. Uh, I mean university. I mean like Yanu, yeah, you schooled for a little while, and you also schooled for a little yeah. while in 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 Africa, specifically Nigeria. I haven't done a history course there. What's it like there? Uh, I mean, in Nigeria, we talk about Nigeria. Yeah, <laughs> like actually, you know, yeah. Trevor actually, Noah. we don't talk about Ni- Nigerian history that much in in Nigeria. They're just well, we don't even talk. About, it, it, we don't talk that much about international history, you know. Right? Or, yeah, we don't. We don't talk like, talk about yeah about history per se. We talk about just Nigeria, like thirty six states. The states of yeah. We'll we'll on the, the, we'll the current in, in, uh, the places. The current, like what's what's there? What's currently. going going on right yeah. now? Current and, affairs. Uh, uh, I I can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but Trevor Noah's book, which is like an amazing read. I don't know if he only has one, but it's the one that I read. Uh, he he talks about how the things that are seen as you know, if if you ask the 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 question, pick one person that you wish never lived. Ooh. In your you, in certain circles, you expect the answer to be Hitler. You, you, unanimously <laughs> Hitler. Yeah. Right. And it's he gotta tells be like Columbus a, uh, or something, story, right? right? Yeah. And for some people, right? Yeah. For them, it's Columbus. <laughs> to a Jew, it's, it's Hitler, right? Now, with uh, <laughs> with uh, him, he's like he grew up in South Africa. His best friend, one of his friends' names was Hitler, because people just named their kids anything. Like like he didn't. They didn't know that they, they didn't get it. If they asked them, who's the one person you wish never existed? I can't remember the the name he has said, but he would name someone that, like everyone in South Africa, wah wah name because yo that guy fucked us over. Right. For uh, for some people in, in, in Nigeria, it's Abacha, yeah, the president, right? So then, like, uh, and then he goes on to tell a funny story about how he they his friend was a DJ and you know their whatever times get was at a Jewish school yeah. and they all started yelling, go Hitler. And they got kicked out. Anyways, it's, 
it's a hilarious book. But <laughs> it talks about just that, uh, just that. I guess you can call it ignorance of like like everyone's perspective is unique and different and like whatnot. So I guess the idea of this is to what is to introduce. Uh, the idea uh, of the 1619 project, mm-hmm, yeah. um, it's essentially just to uh, concentrate on a history of America that uh, puts an emphasis on uh, oppression and slavery. I, I said that it would start once the slaves got here? Yeah, because um, it says here, I mean, the year 1776 is often labeled as the country's like official uh, birth date, I right. guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, they're trying to say, we, we got to rewind that clock and say mm-hmm. 1619. When because. the slaves got here, okay, that's yeah. when American history starts. It's not like, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. they're not even rewriting history. They're just rewinding the clock a little bit so that we yeah. can uncover some pretty dark shit that happened before you guys started. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> How are you going like erase a couple I, hundred I, um, years of stuff and yeah. so we start? Like, hang on. Wind that back. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I'm on board for more information. So, yeah. like, I, I haven't uh, done any deep deep dives on yeah. this but it won a pulitzer prize on it's on good listening stuff. yeah to it i am like if the idea is more information yes yeah if the idea is uh it can, if, it's been it's been charged as like okay you're trying to predicate american history on some dark stuff and like uh, essentially tom cotton who's the the senator of arkansas he has mm-hmm. an issue with this he's saying that like i don't respect that branch uh, you know like because he sees it as almost a slander of, mm. of uh, some, some of the constitutional principles in which that country is set on. Which is? Which is like, okay, we, we're trying to make the land uh, equal. We fight for uh, justice and equality for all, right? And um, essentially, why he's uh, being called into question is because in his quote, and um, I'm trying to find it here, um, he, he essentially calls uh, the 1619 Project a bunch of lies. <laughs> a bunch of lies describing the views of the, fi- of the founders and how they put the evil institutions to a path of extinction. A point frequently made by Lincoln is not endorsing or justifying slavery. Essentially, you know, what the Constitution says is it, on a certain light, it says that... Um, Slavery was a necessary evil, right? But mm. the way in which the American social climate is set up, it's set up so that slavery is on a path to exi- extinction, right? So he's saying that, like, yeah, that stuff kind of maybe sort of had to happen, right? But it was always going to end. That was always in the in the plan. So from a certain light, you can say that, yeah, it's, it's built for justice because eventually that's where we got to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Essentially, what the 1619 Project is trying to say is that, nah, man, call it what it is. It happened. And just because um, it later ended doesn't change the fact that it did happen. And we do have to put focus on this. And maybe this does need to make its way into classroom textbooks, right? So that, like, imagine people are talking about Andrew Jackson in the textbooks. Yeah. And then it says, yeah, Andrew Jackson, president, blah, 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 blah. Also owned a bunch of slaves and stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> You're trying to say, well, put that stuff there, too. The, the way I, I try to think about this why, is... Why are they omitting it? <laughs> why are you omitting the back? It's like, it's the bad something stuff? like, you know, 
saying, well, this is something that happened versus this is what this country's predicated on. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. It's the a hard that, argument. It's a hard argument. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'll go as far as saying, yes, America's predicated on, on slavery. Like, if, if it truly is, they would still, like, that's, that's, I don't know if that would, that's something they would have, like, you know, given up. I think you're going to gain a lot of uh, notoriety for that comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. Like, when I say it's, no, no, like, is... uh, no, I'm, I'm admitting it happened and it's mm-hmm. a scourge on, on their, on American history. It's mm-hmm. the great sin that will never, like, I don't know if, if it is ever going to be a uh, fix for that. Like, if it's ever going to be forgiven, you hope. That there is some, there's some way, where you know, you know, everyone feels, you know, this this situation has been rectified, and uh, Americans who are, um, or Black Americans feel feel um, good and proud to be to be American. Absolutely. Right? I guess at the end of the day, like, but if, for you to say yeah. that, well, if you if you look at how America functions today. Mm. Right. Yes, there are the, the legacy of slavery has hurt um, multiple um, uh, communities, colored communities, or black communities in, in America. But if you look at, if you say like today, take a snapshot of America and like, um, well, um, you know, this this whole thing is is predicated on on slavery. And, and yeah. I don't I don't know. I'll give you an example. Like if I I think if the issues that people and and you know um of course there was um there was a formal petition against uh blocking against a formal sort of objection to project 1619 and that was a bunch of historians ivy league people mm-hmm. you know came and and they were they were having issues with some of the historical inaccuracies and i can get on board with that yeah. right but if you're challenging something else and you know it, it sounds like and do i dare say it white fragility <laughs> <laughs> For Cotton to respond the way that he did, yeah, yes, sure. No? But yeah, but again, if the argument is uh, is about like, what do you say to somebody that accurate says, the facts is? Yeah, then I mean, it's a it's a no brainer. Yeah, you got to yeah, say the right that's stuff. That's a valid right? uh, thing. But like, if sixteen nineteen is trying to reorient that lens so that we can see a different perspective, right? Nobody and like the way that history's taught in North America is we can know it's missing some stuff yeah right? we, yeah. we, we got to get for, the for whole sure. picture right yeah. so yes it needs to be fine-tuned you got to make things accurate right but like mm. say the whole picture I'm on right? board I'm personally on board for the whole picture yeah. uh, and I think it's the way I understand it just in terms of again it's information, it's stuff that happened, which is where the accuracy is important. Yeah. It's like, this is factual stuff that ha- happened, and kids being educated on it. Uh, I mean, I, I guess there is, you know, people are probably worried, oh, but like, how will it be, be uh, taught, and blah, blah, blah. And that is a, a thing, because the whole idea of America is like a place of freedom where you can, it's like it's a place of freedom of ideas and you can be who you want to be as opposed to, uh, you know, other places in the world. And I, and I feel, feel like that uh, even when, uh, you know, even the black anger in, at different points in history was because hey, this is what America is is this, and Something. we've been denied of that. 
Right. Yeah. So we want this thing that America is. Like, like y'all promised Americans this. We are Americans, and you've taken this away from us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing is, yeah, like, add more information to the story. Uh, right? But I think that part of what America is also is important. Yeah. So, I mean, I see it in my head as both can exist, so yeah. I don't have a problem with yeah. it. I mean, we if don't... the way it is packaged uh, makes people feel like that Fragile. idea is being challenged. Yeah. So, like, oh, we're not trying, trying to teach people that, you know, like, if this comes, it isn't in addition to the stuff. It's actually, like, forget... The things that that made uh, Jefferson do what he did, he did, or Washington, or this guy. Let's just talk about all their slavery past. It's like okay, but like 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 I don't want to read a fucking <laughs> TMZ or like article, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I feel like inclusion of facts is good. Yeah. And if that's the issue, then fine. But yeah. the, the issue is, uh, at its core, the deeper philosophy behind it. And that's like altering the way that you want people, inevitably, to understand America, right? Like, I think, man, like, it's like reading a, picking up a German textbook and, like, they're trying to hide some stuff that Hitler did, right? Or they're not saying the whole thing. Like, they're, I, I'm not sure if it's tantamount to the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's... I. I, I it's like we want to it's, – it's, again, that example of driving down the highway and you're looking through your windshield. Like, essentially what 1619 is trying to do is trying to tint that windshield a little bit black. You know what I mean? So – and what people like Cotton but and I would certain kind ar- of historical ar- fundamentalists argue. are trying to say uh-huh. is that don't tint it. We don't, we're not trying to see a black perspective of it. Just kind of just tell it, okay, you know, I will what it is. Okay, now I will flip that to where black people – feel like there is stuff on the windshield. Mm. They're not trying to make the, the, the windshield more black. Mm. They're trying to clean the windshield so you can get the full picture. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing mm. where it's like, oh no, we aren't taking this and remixing it. Mm-hmm. We're trying to like clean it give up. you the full thing. Yeah. Right? Mm. And I think that distinction is important because yes, if any group is trying to Mm. take something and like factual things and do it a and you know flip it a a certain way then yes you know there will be back and forth uh, uh, from from the other groups but if we look at it as a way of not adding yet another filter but instead removing yet another filter then I mean, all we're trying to do is is get the uh, full pic- the full picture. picture, and this is a thing again that is. This is this is America. This is literally like a country, like the history of a country. Mm-hmm. This isn't like like a document. Like we can talk about the Bible, and talk about like the stories that were la- left out, and how. They were going to leave out the story of uh, Jesus for giving the prostitute because they felt like, oh, that wouldn't really go with the vibe. But then they decided, like, things like like that, you can argue, well, you know, they made the religion, they had their rules, 
they made a speed cut that's there than the same way Spike Lee can make a movie. And even though you were on set for two or weeks, you only appeared for two seconds in yeah. the movie. That's his thing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I feel like it's different when, when it comes to a country's history. Yeah. Because for, again, I'm Nigerian. <laughs> I'm a Nigerian, Canadian. Like, like I'm, I'm Nigerian. Nigerian. That moved to Canada, <laughs> yeah. but for someone who is an African American, doesn't know you know what African country they they came from. Their grand grandparents, grandparents, wherever they know are American. They are American. Yeah, they are American. Mm-hmm. Forget the African American part, fam. Me, you are American. Your parents came from Germany at some in some uh, year and. We were right behind you in on a different boat, <laughs> like, yeah. like like we're as American as fucking yeah. each other. You know what I mean? Like like so for someone like like that, I can see that perspective of fam. Give me the full pic- picture. I, I'm not trying to mm-hmm. remix it. I'm yeah. I'm trying to get the the whole thing. The whole and thing. the issue about like what American history has been taught in in the curriculum has been a thing. For a while. It's been a while. It's always going to continue to be a thing. I uh, think as people try to refine things, like mm-hmm. you're saying, like, yeah. you know, as, as you try to get a clearer picture, uh, always um, you know, the institutions that be that... They will be called into they, question. They will be called into question. Right? Yeah. Our, if, if we ever have kids, our kids are going to, like... No, it's like you said. It's a living. It's, it's a living country. But like, I propose is, things could even be different than where, with the internet, and like just like how, the educate because the, the idea of like the education like this is kind kind of funny to me because, it's like we can find this shit out, like. I, like, I guess we want it in the textbooks because yeah. that's still a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I, I guess what's going to happen is, like, they're just bodies who certify information as, yes, this is factual. Like, there's, that's the reason why, like, there's, like, Urban Dictionary and there's, like, this a dictionary, dictionary. Yeah. That's the way I put it. That's the way I see it. So, you know. Like, um, the way information eventually makes its way down to, well, that, that was a terrible example. But... Uh, to, to say, well, this is history and we want this to be taught as factual. It's just you're, you're definitely going to be going up against institutions that um, either for like certain gain. I don't even know if I should just call this like a war of like ideologies or a war of like economic classes. It's a too. war of perspective. A war of perspective. Rather. Yeah. Is that another beef? It, that, it is a little bit. I've heard like the 1619 project. are like... Yeah, it's, it's a little All bit of a... All this shit is not even... Yeah, didn't like... Even I've, I've, happen. I've, no, no, no. Historians, like, again, like, this thing won a Pulitzer. Pulitzer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's good but, stuff, right? Yeah. It won a Pulitzer. Yeah, but... No, no, which means... The comments up here is like, you know, Pulitzer, the Pulitzer isn't what it is. Which to be means that it's at least in some certain academic spheres, academic uh, circles, it's respected, right? Historians, you can, you can fight about the little details, right? Because everybody wants to tell a story the way that they want to tell it, yeah. right? But you, you're not going to discredit the whole thing and tear this thing apart to the point where it doesn't exist anymore. It's a sound piece of work, Right. I think it, they can come to a a, a compromise. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If it if this is a battle between historians and you know 
the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there was a response to the sixteen nineteen project too, which is interesting. What was it? It was the seventeen seventy six project. Which? Um, yeah, seventeen seventy six project. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know, I, 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 who, who spearheaded this? I'm trying to figure out his name here. Uh, Bob, Bob Woodson, uh, Glenn Lowry, Grant, oh, sorry, Glenn Lowry, Coleman Hughes, Jason Jill, Carl Swain, John Wood, Taleb Starks, Robert Sherry, and many other, uh, many other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their, their perspective is a little bit much more different. We can... We could uh, probably just go into that later, but yeah, I, I would I just say that there's there's a there's a seventy seventy six project which paints America in a completely different light than than what the uh, sixteen seventeen project attempts to do. What's the light? <laughs> um, I uh, I don't know. I did the first point here. Right, let's 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 table I that for another discussion. Like this let's, is uh, gonna be my bedtime reading for the next car. <laughs> Reacquainting yourself with like what actually happened, right? No, no, just like what the did because I feel like I don't fully. I feel that like I have a uh, an an idealistic idea of this argument. Like I'm hearing this, I'm like, oh well, it sounds like they just want more history. Give them more history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because it, it that's, sounds like that's, it's a little bit more. Again, so I'm I, I mentioned earlier that oh. like. When you're having a conversation about ideas, mm-hmm. you can pick apart the little things inside. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean that you have grounds to topple the whole castle over. Right. Okay. Right. So the, the I have a thesis of 1776 here. Okay. Um, it's like a little summary. Okay. So while we, I'm just paraphrasing here, we at the 1776 have seen, uh, no, that's improper way to start this. America is a very, uh, Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm barfing here. Uh, we propose a simple and positive thesis. Uh, America is a very good, if sometimes flawed, society. It is frankly not very hard to succeed here, and hard work and hard work and personal responsibility will help you help you do so. There have oh. been dark periods of American history, to be sure, and it's important to discuss them honestly. But there have been dark periods during the centuries or millennia long or, or millennia long histories of virtually all human societies. Further, Toby, I get it. Many Americans <laughs> were able to use the I get the beef. <laughs> indomitable human resource of free will to succeed. Even then, as Bob pointed out, at least twice during the recent conversations, the black entrepreneur, dumb. C.J. Walker, born in rural Louisiana just two years ago after slavery ended, went on to found a beauty product empire and became the wealthiest self-made woman in America by the time of her death in 1919. It goes on and on, and the last paragraph reads, There is no reason, no reason at all, that middle-class American blacks or Appalachian whites cannot be expected to perform at the same level as recent immigrants from the Philippines, but doing so will require a member, <laughs> require members of the population to learn about real skills such as advanced mathematics rather than obscure racial 
atrocities from centuries ago. When I ask, when I I've asked heard Bob enough. to sum up <laughs> 1776 in a sentence, he said, Let it go. America is a remarkable <laughs> place where you can be the agent of your own uplift. I would add only one sentence to that if you're willing and able to compete. Now, there's a message I'm proud to deliver. So God bless America. The whole thing is narrative. It's, it, it's all about people trying to control the narrative. Yeah. They're, they're like, hey, this is America. Not Childish Gambino's America, mm-hmm. but this is America where you're, you're born, everyone is equal, you work hard, you can make something of your yourself. Yeah. And then people whose parents were on those ships in 16... 19. 19. Well, like, psych. <laughs> like, that is not the case. That's, you can say... That's this, so this, bullshit. This happened. A steaming and pile then of shit. we, <laughs> at the same time, had these hopes for America. And now America is this place where this is the image we attach to America. Right. And the hope is that we can get every... Well, race type of person. I, I guess, I guess on the board. the question, like you, I think you brought this up multiple times today, is like taking the current snapshot of America. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that stops, um, let's say, someone who looks like you and me from succeeding in America? <sighs> do you, I feel like I've, do you I've answered so? this so many times uh, as we make our way through this journey that is the last train. Uh-huh. It's just it's bigger than that. Nobody no. stops you from coming out of a club anymore. There's no public lynchings anymore, right? It's uh, it's it's a underlying issue, um, and that you really have to, you know, look between the lines, uh, and and that's where you get things like white fragility and Black Lives Matter, and mm-hmm. people aren't out there on the streets looking for an excuse not to go to work. There's something going on, right? I don't know. Well, there, there. I, I do feel that, you know, in free societies like ours, um, issues like this, they're important. It's important that they're brought up, and you know. I just feel freedom. like when you say stuff like that, it's like okay, like black people get shot, and people live in uh, disadvantaged communities, and some people didn't get the same opportunities that you did because of their skin color, and then they're sitting there waiting for people like us that are on the other side to fight for them, to make it equal for them. And then you kind of sit there at that table going like, well, this is America, man. You can just work harder. No, right? It seems to under, it, it doesn't only undermine their struggle, but also. Um, I don't think that's what I say. Right. What, because, what I say is like the, the systems that people propose to change because things. When you said like. Make things wor- would, would uh, end up making things worse. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think if, if you... Um, because when you initially set up the there's question... There's a book that just came out, um, like, How Innovation Works. Mm-hmm. I was listening to it. Uh, Naval, uh, Naval had a guest on. And the, the thing is, there, there are multiple ways to kill, like, a nation. And I think that sometimes um, what people don't, don't maybe truly understand is if most of the... Always like economic policies, like so, like you know, we're angry, we want change. Or what change do we want? Oh, this is exactly this. The people list a bunch of things that that they want, and I don't know if people realize sometimes that like systematic sweeping changes or systematic changes such as that might actually kill the engine of okay, when, ingenuity and innovation. That's the only thing that like you know breeds wealth. 
Is this in relation to well, to the project, the sixteen nineteen? No, this is just pro- me project. going off on on my own okay. and like looking at the sixteen nineteen project and knowing mm. that that project has an economic agenda. It has like it has. It's not just like that. It's there it's, is it's more a tool. To it it's yeah. It's a tool that's being used. For like other things, mm-hmm. um, because Tom Cotton says that he describes the 1619 project as right-wing propaganda, um, but it's just like uh, for you somebody like me, you mean left-wing, left-wing, left-wing propaganda, propaganda okay. and um, for somebody like me, you just have to walk me through that. You got to walk me how wanting to have a, a more um, enlightened understanding of history, and yeah, you want to sell some textbooks and make some money, and maybe. Uh, convince some people to, to challenge some things and see some things differently. Maybe you, you have that agenda. But holistically, I've said this like four times in this podcast, you can pick apart the little things within it that you personally don't agree with. But the broader idea, yeah, it, don't forget here, you we're, can't we're, we're, disagree we're teaching with that. children. I so I, I honestly would go that the idea of instilling into your kid at a young age that, well, because of all this, like, I, I, I don't know. I If I had a choice, I would rather teach my kid, this is America. You can be successful if you work hard. I, I, if I had a choice. If I had a choice and I was trying to raise a child and I wanted the best for my child, honestly, there there's certain state, like, I, there's a place for the 1619 Project. Uh, the thing is, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where yet. And, and I might... It's probably like you know a very un- uninformed like view, but still, it's I don't know. I, I I don't know. Me me saying like you know what we're teaching my kid. Well, because of this, this is why like this this thing is. This are the the reasons of or because of all this is why you have all these problems and you can't overcome that. I don't know if the sixteen nineteen project. I think to do that. But. You are you are. I think Toby, you're taking it as. These are facts that happened. This needs to be included in the narrative. Am I right in that? Yeah, yeah. And there is another uh, pers- perspective of like, oh, I see this as yet another thing. You know what I mean? Telling, uh, I see... S- I see this as more than just story, but like the people pushing this have an agenda to push like, hey, this is what happened. So like if shit doesn't work out, this is why. Right. Where that's a, I mean, like I think that's why it might be hard to to, to, to come to an agreement because you, you guys are looking at the product from two day de- 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 from two different lens. I think the idea of like more information is like duh. I'm okay with like, more information. Like no one is saying, "Hey, shut off the internet, delete all this stuff from the 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 internet." The idea is, and also this is why yes, everything has its little things you can nit nitpick, but you will agree that. Ideas are important, and there there have been times when, and I'm not talking specifically about I'm not talking about the pro the project, but there have been times that things have been brought to a people and packaged for them, and then 
used to mis miseducate. Yeah. So I think the uh, so so I think what people might be wrestling with is like, hey, we can learn about these things. We're not gonna use it use it as an excuse to slack off. And some people will say, I'm American. If I do, that's on me. But as an American, I'm entitled to the uh, thing. Like your mama might say, well, your kids are going to feel like there's a, there's a ceiling because there's a re reason. And today you can say, well, that might be a true, but I don't care. This is America and this is part of American history and making and I guess it's just on my kid to be like, oh, these are all the excuses for why you can't be, be successful, but go be successful regardless. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can, I can agree with that. Too. I can agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, I, wish, I wish everyone who, who was in that project would take that stance. Yeah, yeah definitely, not. definitely not. That's never the case. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I just, I don't understand. I don't. Un- I mean, and this will be kind of like my final take on it. It's hard when you, when the intention is good, mm-hmm. you know, but because of little details, you can't get certain people to buy in. So change never happens because people jump on agendas. Though you yeah. gotta realize, even this COVID thing, which is like this is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to do. Obviously, there are people that jump aboard the quote-unquote right right then and then we're, we're finding out now the different ways they fucked the middle class over yeah 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 right so i think that is where you'll you'll find people who are more on 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 board and you'll find people who are more resistant to every idea and it's, that that is just i mean politics and that's just the way that's the nature of and the beast. like being a democratic society yeah i'm trying to pull us back into focus here um as best i can uh because this was we're going uh, off this podcast man we are partying for real <laughs> uh, we're partying for real maybe we can tackle uh white fragility and and sort of the nuances of of tom cotton's uh opposition to to the project okay uh, on another date um, let's do it. But it's time to uh, change the tone. <laughs> uh, that's something we like to do here on the last train, where uh, we uh, change uh, from the intellectual to the personal. And uh, so I ask a question each week, uh, usually something kind of silly, and uh, as a way of uh, unwinding and uh, ending on a good note. So the question this week I ask you all. I haven't even really thought about this myself, um, which is weird because I'm asking it. But can you I guys will throw, answer first. Can I add a throw a question in to replace it or throw a, a question in afterwards that I feel like you might have more to talk about? Uh, sure. Sure, do it. <laughs> Why Man, not? This entire podcast is on the fly. I love it. <laughs> it's just hard, like, you know, organizationally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is fair. Well, this week, a couple of days ago, the Three of us played Risk. Yeah. And we have had mo- many games of Monopoly. Yeah. Uh, pr- prior to getting in- getting into Risk. So I want to know you guys' take on kind of the similarities, the differences, which you prefer. 
I'll go first. I like risk because I can screw off when it's not my my turn, and I won't get you. You know, like I I know when I come back, things will remain the way I I I left it. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about you know someone getting to my spot and things going off or anything like that. Where with Monopoly, if I walk away and I come come back. I might be on my way out of the game because people landed on my stuff and didn't pay me and blah 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 blah. Yeah. What about you guys? I don't know. I I really liked Risk. Uh, the unholy alliances that can be formed at a at a whim's <laughs> notice is uh, something which oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to. Uh, in other games, that's a little strange. But like, honestly, if you look at it, that's real warfare. It's arbitrary, and like, it, it the game like starts to make less and less sense, especially when like coalitions start to yeah. occur arbitrarily, because it only benefits another guy. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But um, you can't all win. There's yeah, no three they can people only holding be, the trophy. One guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I give Monopoly a risk. Um, I feel like Monopoly. Much of it is. Um, if we talk about these games um, in relation to control, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are rolling a dice, right? Um, and it is possible to have bad luck the whole game, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, and like otherwise make the right calls, make the right trades and the right decisions, mm-hmm. and just roll crap and everybody misses you stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Or in risk, and um, so I think I'll make my decision decision based on the game that I feel like chance affects me less. Mm-hmm. And I think it's got to be risk. I agree. I think there's a way you can set yourself up that um, you have to be really, really unlucky. Yeah, to, to lose. To lose. Yeah. <laughs> Where with Monopoly, you can just never land on anything and keep going to jail and as a rat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Yeah. That is fair. With that said, we've come to the end of episode five of the last train podcast we broke some ground here we like to we uh, tried to focus on uh the paper by robin d'angelo titled white fragility interesting ideas and honestly i don't feel like we understood all of them um but uh, to quote ben okri a uh, nigerian writer uh, fictional writer actually um it, sometimes it's uh in, in the places that you don't understand that clears the path for you to to move onward um, we hope you check us out again next week for episode six. I was joined here by Yanu and DT. And my name is Toby. Have a good night. Stay safe. Stay safe.